Welcome to Walk Through the Bible, Susan Michaels' 12-month journey through the most exciting book on the planet. It will transform your life one page at a time. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes that will ignite your faith and bring your Bible to life. Now, let's join our host, Susan Michael. Well, hey there, and welcome back. This is Walk Through the Bible, Week 27. Well, I have entitled this week, One Down and One to Go. I hate to make light of it, but this week, we're going to see the fall of the kingdom of Israel. We'll be left with just one kingdom, that's Judah. But this week, our reading in the Daily Bible is pages 825 through 862, or the dates of July 1 through the 8th. Now, as I said, this is week 27, and you know what that means? This is the first week of the second half of the year. You have been, you've gone through half your Bible by now. Isn't that exciting? So this is week 27. We start the second half of our year. It's all downhill from here. Okay, let's get back to the prophet Isaiah, who just very well might be uh, Israel's greatest prophet ever. And such an amazing book. So much to talk about. Um, This week in our reading, we have a lot of prophecies against the nations and about the nations. And I'm, you can read that. I'm not going to talk about all those different nations and all that we have going on there. Um, But I do want to go back to something that we read last week that I didn't take time to talk about. And this is in Isaiah chapter five, a beautiful song here um, of the vineyard. And um, so I want to read this very quickly for you, Um, and that is Isaiah chapter 5, 1 through 7, just verses 1 through 7. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I've done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it'll be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. So this song of the vineyard is um, a very, very uh, important motif here that God likens the nation of Israel and the people of Judah 
Well, it says here, the nation of Israel is his vineyard. And it describes how that he prepared the soil in the vineyard and then that he chose the choicest vine and that being the people of Judah. And he plants them and he tends to them. And then, you know, usually a farmer doesn't live at his vineyard. He lives away. So he built up a wall around it to protect it and a watchtower so that uh, people could keep watch out over his vineyard. And he did everything that a good farmer or keeper of vineyards would do. He did it all. And yet, he still got bad fruit. So he says, I'm just going to let it go to waste. I'm going to knock down the walls and just let it go and let it be trampled down. And so this is the way the Lord uh, depicts here his people as a vineyard. Well, later in Isaiah, in chapter 27, he comes back and, and refers to another song to his vineyard. This one doesn't go into as much detail, but it says that uh, in the days to come, Jacob will take root and Israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. So there is a coming day when his vineyard is going to be very, very fruitful. And in fact, it's going to fill the world with fruit. Well, I wanted to bring this up because Jesus also spoke about a vineyard, and he had a parable of the tenants of the vineyard. And I want to talk about this because this parable is sometimes misquoted or misapplied by people. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. So Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd 
because the people held that he was a prophet. Now, I wanted to mention this because as soon as Jesus began to talk about a vineyard, everyone knew he was talking about Israel. The vineyard meant Israel in Isaiah. It was very common to them. And that's what he's talking about. The vineyard is Israel and the the people are the vines. But here, this parable is not against the vineyard. It's against the tenants, the, the farmers that are farming the vineyard. And that's why at the end it says that the chief priests and the Pharisees knew he was talking about them. They were the workers in God's vineyard of Israel, tending to the people, and they were not producing fruit. So sometimes this parable has been taken to mean God's rejection of the Jewish people and that the kingdom would be taken from them and given to others. But that's not what this parable said. This this parable is talking about the farmers that are farming the vineyard and the chief priests and the Pharisees knew it was about them. Uh, Jesus was not preaching against the people. So uh, let's get back to our story this week. Now, uh, in Judah, uh, King Ahaz, you know, we, we spoke about him uh, last week, that he had gone to worshiping idols, and he was sacrificing children, his children, in the Valley of Hinnom, which must meant to the god Moloch, and he was doing all these detestable things. Well, this week we read the story how that he went to Damascus. And, uh, you know, in, in this narrative at this time, they're all cutting deals with each other, one king with another trying to uh, cook up an alliance so that they can together uh, withstand another army or they can go against another army. And so he needs the friendship of Syria because of Assyria. And um, so he goes to Damascus, and what does he see in Damascus? But he sees the worship there to their God, and he thinks, you know, their God has been pretty good to them. They, um, you know, they're doing well, and so their God protected them. Let me worship their God. So he sends back to Jerusalem, and he tells them to make an altar like the one that he saw in Damascus. I don't think it names the actual name of the God that um, he was building the altar to, but it is the God of Syria. And of course, the scripture says that this then was his downfall. And um, so after Ahaz, who um, really led the nation astray and into worshiping all the wrong gods, he's followed by Hezekiah. And now this we can take kind of a sigh of relief. Uh, this is a good king. Hezekiah is going to rule for almost 30 years, and he's going to be, bring great religious reforms into the southern kingdom of Judah. So it says he removed all the high places, all of the Asherah poles where they worship this fertility goddess, he cleanses the temple, 
Uh, he restores right worship in the temple. And a very interesting note here, he gets rid of the bronze serpent that Moses raised up in Sinai. You remember that story? I always thought that story was so strange, why he would put a serpent on the pole and that would bring healing to the people that were being bit by serpents. But anyway, that's the story. And here, that bronze serpent is still in the temple. But because of the idolatry of the people and the paganism that's everywhere, the people had ended up worshiping it as though it was a god. So Hezekiah just destroyed it and got rid of it. Um, now, the kingdom of Israel at this point, as I told you, is much, much smaller and much weaker. They've lost a lot of their territory. So Hezekiah actually invites the people of Israel to come down and celebrate the Passover in Judah because they haven't been celebrating the Passover. And he's wanting to do it right. And so he invites the people of Israel. Now, look, this could be really smart on his part, a political move there to kind of extend his um, authority into those territories that have been lost to the kingdom of Israel. Um, but let's face it, uh, it's a great thing, and, and a number of them do come down and celebrate the Passover, and it's such a fun description of their celebration. And uh, they celebrated for a whole week, and they had such a great time. The blessing of the Lord was with them, the presence of God, the, the priest, and, and it says that they just decided to worship for a whole another week afterwards. And so they had a, another week-long celebration. That's full two weeks of celebrating. It's great fun uh, for you to read about that this week. Then in um, 2 Kings 18.6, it says this about King Hezekiah. It says, He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commandments of the Lord that the Lord had given Moses. I wanted to point this out because if you remember when we talked about King Solomon, instead of him holding fast to the Lord, if you remember, it said that he held fast to his pagan wives. But here we have his, I don't know how many grandsons, um, King Hezekiah, he holds fast to the Lord. And so the Lord blesses Hezekiah. And in 2 Chronicles 31, verses 21 and, uh, 20 and 21, it says this about Hezekiah. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah, doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. In everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and the commands, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly and so he prospered. So this is sort of a summation of Hezekiah. He brought reforms. He held fast to the Lord. He obeyed the Lord. And so the Lord blessed him and he prospered. This is really a great time but during, for, for Judah. But during this time for Judah, Israel is falling. 
And so we have uh, that Israel uh, has a king. Their last king is Hosea. And Hosea, who was supposed to be paying tribute to Shalmaneser, the king of Assyria, he decides to stop paying tribute. And instead, he was going to turn to Egypt for help. Well, that didn't work so well for him. And so here comes Shalmaneser and his army, and they do a siege around Samaria. And the siege lasts for three years, and it was really desperate. It got really bad in Samaria until finally it fell. By the time Samaria fell, it seems that Shalmaneser had been replaced by his son Sargon II. And Sargon takes credit for the fall of Samaria, and he takes Israel captive. This, my friends, is the end of the northern kingdom of Israel. It is all over. And 2 Kings 17, which we read this week, it recaps this history of Israel, and it recaps the reasons for Israel's fall. It recaps how the prophets warned Israel. And, and then it talks about the uh, fall of Samaria and how that then Assyria brings foreigners, Gentiles, into Samaria uh, to live there. And so in 2 Kings 17, uh, verses 24, it talks about how that um, the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon and Kutha and Ava and Hamath and Sepharvim and settled them in the towns of Samaria to replace the Israelites. So Assyria came in, took a lot of the Israelites, of course, all the men, all the leaders, anybody that could fight, anybody that could build up any kind of presence. They were taken into exile. There were a few Israelites left behind. So then Assyria moved Assyrian Gentiles into Samaria to inhabit the area, and that's how they exerted control. Their people now live there, so their people are going to be loyal to the king of Assyria. Their people also brought with them the worship of their gods. And it says that when the people of, of uh, Assyria got into Samaria and they're living there, all of a sudden they were attacked by lions. And so they sent word back to uh, the king that they didn't know how to appease the local god of the Israelites because evidently he was unhappy. They were being attacked by lions. They didn't know how to worship this local god. So the king of Assyria finds one of the exiles who was a priest, sends them back down in order to instruct the people of Israel, how to worship the God of Israel. Now, I guarantee you it wasn't pure worship. And um, it's just an interesting little story. But what it does is it explains how that Galilee became known as the Galilee of the Gentiles and why the prophet Isaiah referred to it as the Galilee of the Gentiles that would one day even though they're walking in darkness now, would one day see a great light because God was going to send 
this child. We talked about it last week. That's how all the Gentiles ended up there in Samaria. And then in the time of the New Testament, we see this division between the Samaritans and the Jews of Judea. Why? Because the Israelites that mixed in with these Assyrians in the Galilee area, they became a mixed people and a mixed religion. And so they mixed the worship of Yahweh, the God of Israel, with the worship of the local pagan, uh, with the Assyrian pagan gods that they brought in. And that's why the Jews of Israel, of Judea, and of Jerusalem considered them unclean because they were pagans. And they really looked down on them, and they wouldn't go near them, and they wouldn't touch them. They'd have nothing to do with the unclean people of Samaria. This is why its, all, its roots all go back here to this mixing. And of course, Jesus went to Samaria, and he spoke to a Samaritan woman at the well. And she said to him, you know, the Jews worship in Jerusalem. And he said to her, and you worship what you know not. But one day you will worship in spirit and in truth. So uh, very profound words there to the people of Samaria that Jesus was even going to offer um, salvation and true worship to the people of Samaria one day. Now, I want to just make a footnote here that the Assyrian kings, Sennacherib, Shalmaneser, Sargon, all these kings wrote about their victories. And um, any king that came and brought tribute to them, they wrote about it. And a lot of these victories over kings were uh, depicted in murals on the walls of their palaces. And uh, if you look at, if you just Google and find some pictures of, say, um, the palace of Shalmaneser, you'll see all these murals on the walls. And there, it's all about the victories of that king. Well, they depict a lot of this history that we're reading about in the Bible. And uh, the siege of Samaria, the uh, bringing the Israelites into captivity. Before that, the partial siege, the partial victory over Israel. Um, all of this is uh, proven from these uh, extra-biblical sources there in Assyria. So this history is really, um, we know how accurate it is because of the annals and the writings and the archaeological finds that have been found there in ancient Assyria. So uh, today we're, we're going to go ahead and end there and um, enjoy your reading this week and the book of Isaiah and, and the story here. Um, I called today one down, one to go. So we, we read about the fall of Israel, but we still have in the south, we have King Hezekiah. And uh, we're going to have an amazing story about King Hezekiah next week. 
Um, also, next week, we're going to have our special interview with world-renowned Bible teacher Kay Arthur about the book of Isaiah and its message uh, to the people and its message to us today. So be looking for that. We'll put that up next week. And um, so enjoy your reading. We will see you back here next week. And until then, God bless. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.